Shalom everyone. Today I would like to just make a quick video to talk to you a little bit about false prophets. Um, in relation to recent events, there's been things that I've just been seeing um, in relation to the world today. And there's a lot of false prophets that I believe are arising and will continue to start rising more and more and more um, heading into this year, next year, etc. The coming years to come. And in fact, uh, last year at Sukkot, that is 2019 at Sukkot, uh, I was in Texas and I actually prophesied regarding um, the upcoming false prophets. And I said a few things with relation to them that the Lord put on my heart that I believe is just I just want to repeat again here because I think it's relevant. And I'm actually seeing what I have said come to fruition now. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then at the end of this video, I'm going to also be um, putting up a replay of what I said at Sukkot in Texas. Um, so you can um, kind of see what I got at there. So first off, what I want to just talk about is some important things that I think we need to remember when it comes to uh, teachers, people who we see as um, up there, which I think is a wrong idea of looking at things. But, you know, when people are teaching leadership and accountability is so important, like leadership is important, but that leadership needs accountability. And I think one of the main areas, and, and I just want to tell this to everyone who's listening, who may be a leader and in whichever way, whether it is your uh, maybe maybe you're a pastor or maybe you're a, a group leader, big or small, it doesn't matter. If you're in a place where you're a leader, if you're in a place where you are teaching people, it is so important to always make sure you personally are open to correction, that you are open, that you are always open to be proven wrong and that you are on, on your face every night before God asking him to show you where you are wrong. And, you know, that last part that I just mentioned there is, I think, one of the key parts are missing. Brothers and sisters, I am of strong belief personally. And this is just my personal journey with my father. You know, when I started this walk uh, and father started calling me into more of a position where I uh, he wanted me to start teaching the word, I, I didn't want to do that in the beginning because I was too afraid of making mistakes because I know that the judgment on teachers are so much more strict than on the lay person. And that was actually something that caused a lot of, um, <laughs> uh, uh, how can I say, um, unsettledness in my heart. And uh, God had to do some great miracle to show me that he is calling me to what he's called me to back then because I wasn't sure yet. And after that, I told the father that, Lord, I will do this. But the condition is that you need to show me when I'm wrong. You need to teach me your truth. You need to help me to only speak truth because brothers and sisters, my greatest fear in all of the world is to misuse the father's truth. And I think that if we, and this is my personal belief is, is if we, and we, all of us, right, submit ourselves to God and say to him every day, Lord, you need to show me the truth and show me my errors. Show me what I believe is wrong. And most of all, if I'm teaching something wrong, show me. You know, I believe that if we truly do that, humble ourselves every day, the father will honor that. And so I want to I'm just going to say that 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 
number one accountability is with your father. Number one accountability is with God himself. Because we are supposed to have a relationship with him where he can talk to us and tell us when we are off track. So, but when that starts suffering, at least then what we need secondly, and this is very important as well, is accountability in terms of believers around us. What I have found though is you can have God, uh, your relationship with God wavering. You just don't hear his voice. And then we have accountability and leader and with people around you. And then they don't hear his voice either because their relationship with God is also struggling. Maybe they're immature, whatever else. And now we have both accountability structures messed up and now someone goes off track. And so it's so important for number one to have your relationship with God rock solid and intimate. And when it starts wavering, you step down from teaching to get it back on track first. And then you need to secondly get accountability partners around you that are uh, solidly focused on the Father, mature in their scriptural knowledge and beliefs. New converts are not qualified to teach at all. Okay, Uh, Paul tells us this. Uh, himself. He said that if someone is a new convert, he cannot teach because his pride will overtake him. Okay. If someone is a believer for a year or two, or uh, personally, I think three years, like minimum. And if only a three years, I need to be showing some amazing fruit and wisdom before someone can start teaching on any real basis. Now, this is not talking about teaching um, in terms of evangelism. I believe that we can go and become an evangelist from day one of becoming a believer because our testimony is our number one tool, right? So I'm not talking about that's not what I'm talking about when I say a teacher. I'm talking about going and and stepping onto a platform and teaching a group of people um, the deeper things of God's word. And so someone who's only been a believer a few years, you, you can't teach you need to first grow into uh, knowledge of the word and and the fruits of the spirit before that can become good because you can mislead people in your infancy. And then later you may come to the truth, but you've misled people along the way. And all those that is blood in your hands. And it's a very serious matter. Brothers and sisters, teaching is more it is the most dangerous and i've said this before and i'll say it again it's the most dangerous job in the world it's more dangerous than being a fireman or um any 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 danger whatever it is the most dangerous job in the world being a teacher of god's word is the most dangerous job because your judgment is by god himself and more lethal than any other person who will be judged okay so Next up, what I want to just mention is that dreams and visions cannot inform our theology. Okay, there are people who are teachers who have dreams and visions, and that's and I'm not against dreams and visions. Uh, the scriptures say that we we can have dreams and visions. We dreams and visions are biblical, right? However, when dreams and visions start informing us on our theology, instead of simply confirming what the Bible already says, it's a problem. And because the thing is, brothers and sisters, we need to remember dreams and visions. Demons can give dreams and visions. I have had people email me about dreams and visions. Some of them are good. Glory to God. Some of them are from demons. Right. So we have to be careful. The thing is that the enemy comes like a lion and he tries to devour people who are stable, even people who look mature. He's always trying to find a place of getting his foot in the door 
to deceive us. And, and, and it can be in very subtle ways. He's, and he, he masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades as being God himself. And he'll try and lead you away from the scriptures. He'll try and lead you away from God's word. He'll try and lead you away from doing God's word. He'll try and make you throw out God's word. He'll try and do all these things. And then he'll give you dreams to make you think it's God. Or whatever. Like the enemy works that way. The enemy is, 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 is a snake. Okay. He is deceitful. And we have to be careful that he doesn't deceive us. Especially if we are any kind of leader. If you are the leader of your household which all men are to be. You're a prime target right there already. Any kind of leader is being extra targeted by the enemy because of the leadership falls. If he can get that leader, all the ones who have been listening to him, following him, they fall with him. Because the enemy knows it's more effective to work that way, to destroy God's kingdom that way, than simply going for people who aren't leaders. Okay, now number five that I want to just talk about with regards to this is, is for us to remember to walk in the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what we need to remember, brothers and sisters. When Yeshua said to Peter and his disciples, hey guys, I'm going to leave. Right? He's, gonna, he's telling them, I'm going to ascend. I'm going to go. And then they, they freaked out, especially Peter. He said, Messiah, you can't leave us. Where will we go? What will we do? Don't go. And, and he said, no, no, Peter. You don't understand, Peter. It's, it's good that I go. Because if I go, I can send my Holy Spirit for you. Peter's fear was that he could not be guided by Messiah anymore if Messiah isn't there anymore. Peter's fear was that, that I, I have to be in his presence. And if I lose his presence... That's the worst thing that could ever happen to me. That's what Peter thought. That's why Peter didn't want him to die. That's why Peter didn't want him to leave. So if Peter was so hungry for Messiah's presence, so hungry for him to be close. The question is, is are we that hungry for his Holy Spirit? Are we that hungry for the one that he has now sent us because Messiah said it is good that I go because the Holy Spirit will take my place. Now, if the whole in terms of presence on earth. So if the Holy Spirit has taken his place on earth, are you earnestly seeking Holy Spirit? Are you earnestly desiring to be filled and led by him? Because there are teachers who aren't. There are teachers. There are sermons I've heard that are done by men. Very smart, intellectual, well-spoken, but lacking in the Holy Spirit. And then there are others who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They may not even be um, that intellectual. They may not even be that well-spoken. But the Holy Spirit is on them. And that's more powerful than the most well-spoken, wise man on earth. Because the Holy Spirit's words are the only words that really matter. And we need to recognize that we are like a clang symbol without His Holy Spirit speaking through us. And of course, on top of that, the fruits of the Spirit must be in our lives. And brothers and sisters, the number six thing, and this is the last thing I want to mention in, in this part here, is that we need to watch out for favoritism. <clears throat> I see a lot of people who start idolizing teachers. So what, and this is, this has always happened. We even see in the scriptures how this happened. We see how the disciples themselves, the apostles, they were idolized. We, we read about how these people came and bowed down before them and considered them gods. Right. That's like crazy. But it happened back then and it happens today. 
It's not right, but it happens. And, it's, and we have to be careful. Brothers and sisters, do not let favoritism of a teacher become more important than what the word teaches. Do not become, let your teacher become more important than God himself. It is easy to be led away. This is what a false prophet does. It, he comes and he gives you what your flesh wants. He tells you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And you'll think, oh, this is the word of God because you want it to be so much, even if that's not in the word of God. But it's from this teacher and you trust him. So you follow what he said and you don't vet him. You don't taste him because you don't want him to be wrong because he pleases your flesh. And so now, brothers and sisters, we fall into a ditch and we are a blind led, but we are a blind person being led by a blind person. But what we ought to do is audit, be careful. We ought to look at what people teach and we ought to not be like, oh, it's he teaches it, so it must be right. No, the word itself says that even those who are teachers in the word in the book of James, where he says about how teachers will be judged more strictly. He also teaches us that we all fall, we all fail, we make mistakes. So the Bible says that teachers will make mistakes. That means we need to test teachers we need to make sure that we catch it when they do and they don't realize it. Because no man is perfect. No man is perfect except Messiah. If I was perfect or anyone else was perfect, I could die for your sins, but I'm not. No one else is. So we have to be careful. And some people and, and some people, it's not just about perfection. Some people are deceived beyond recognition. And now that becomes a very dangerous thing. And so on the 22nd of October in 2019, I talked in Texas and I, I said, this will be a year where we will see false prophets arising and we will see these false prophets doing certain things the, the the goal of them or what they will be allowed to do will be uh, a certain thing. And this idea of favoritism, this idea of how people idolize teachers is part of it, because one of the main goals that the enemy has of these false prophets is to cause disunity, division amongst those who are in unity. OK, and the way that he will do it is by having some people look at this teacher and eat up what he says just because it's him saying it and because it pleases their flesh. And so they lift up this teacher's word above the word of God. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, God is allowing it. God is allowing it. And I said it back then. I'm saying it again. God is allowing it. And what I said was, is he wants to test his people. He wants to see what are you going to do when your relationships with people and teachers are praised? When if you're going to have to choose between a relationship with a, with a brother and God, who are you going to choose? If you're going to have to choose between the true doctrine of God versus a doctrine by a teacher that is false, but that is pleasing to hear, though, what are you going to choose? And God says it in Deuteronomy 13, you don't listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God of all your heart and with all your soul. He is seeing who will you choose? Do you love the Lord of all your heart and soul? Or are you going to be led away by your own passions, your own desires by someone who is pleasing your flesh? 
And brothers and sisters, this is all by design. God is allowing this all because he's testing us, because he's seeing who is his true followers, who is not. He is seeing who is a goat, who is his sheep. He is saying the way is narrow. Few will find it. And will you be the one who finds the way that is narrow? So brothers and sisters, I'm going to now play for you an excerpt from my 2019 Sukkot in Texas sermon uh, where I taught uh, quite extensively regarding false prophets. I hope this blesses you. When we look at Judas, is he had aspects, elements, characteristics of, of what we would, would call a false prophet in many ways. Right? He was not per se someone who went out and, and was like a false prophet, like how we can traditionally think about it. However, he had many of the same characteristics. Think about it this way. Do you think really that when Judas was a little child, and his mom and dad asked him what he wants to be when he grows up, like we all ask our children. He said, Mom, Dad, I want to be the betrayer. <laughs> right? I want to be a false prophet. Or I want to be... No. Are you kidding me? No. That's not what he said. I don't know what he said, but he didn't say that, I can tell you. <laughs> and here's the thing is, a false prophet... Or someone who's, who's against God, like I said, in all of their in mind, usually, they're convinced that they're okay. They're doing things for God. He was convinced he's okay. He's sitting at the table of Messiah. He thought he's okay. He thought it's going to turn out all right. Who in their right mind would go and do things if they, no one who's knowing that they're going to go to jail, they will commit the crime. Hey, that crime can be a crime, but if they know guaranteed that they'll go to jail, they'll probably not do it, right? They try and get away. That's the point. Your Judas thought he's going to get away with this. That's what, how we try and motiv motivate ourselves to do bad things. Our hearts are wicked. A false prophet is a false prophet because he only, ha only has second-hand knowledge of Scripture. He only, look, when Yeshua went into the wilderness, he was, being led, he was being baptized, right? He got baptized. And then it says that the Spirit of God led him out into the wilderness and there to be tempted by the devil. So God tested, he, he had to be tested like all of us because he walked a, a life in the flesh like all of us and he was tested like we were all tested. And so in that same way, God sends false prophets, prophets among us to test us. He says actually in Deuteronomy, he says, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you. Whether you love him with all your mind, heart, everything you have or not. He is the one that allows it to happen oftentimes. Because he wants to see what will you pick, what will you do. Will you bow down before the kingdom of, the, of this world, like when the Satan came to Yeshua? Or would you say, no, that's not what the word of God actually says. Because see, like I said, a false prophet has second-hand knowledge. He only knows what someone has taught him. He doesn't have that personal relationship with God. He hasn't personally devoured the Word and studied it out for himself. And so he'll be able to quote Scripture perfectly, like very well, even better than you. But he will quote it in a way that is just demonic, just wrong, out of place, out of context, void of its true meaning. Because Satan was quoting Scripture right there. He knew Scripture well. He does. Our, the kingdom of darkness, it knows scripture. It knows what it says. It's not like it's in ignorance to it. 
but it will take it out of its meaning, its context, and it will try and make it say something it's not saying to appeal to your flesh, to make it appeal to your prideful desires. You see, if Yeshua did have pride in the wilderness, he would have said, yes, I'll take this kingdom, the kingdoms of the world, which he didn't, of course. But that's what the enemy is going to bring us. What are you, in, why are you doing what you do? Right? And so, th- that's the thing is the false prophet, he desires to serve himself. And the people who, God allows it and, because the people who will fall for the false prophet are the kind of people who, have, who, who are, are not of God in the first place. Their hearts haven't been given to God fully. They, they fall for the false prophet because he's giving him, his, he's basically appeasing to our flesh. He's trying to say, look, this is really what you want. Like in the garden, right? The enemy, he's like to Adam and Eve. This is really what you want, right? You want to be like God. Like he's trying to, he's trying to get that. Even though God said you're made, my, I'm making you my image already. But that's, so here's the reason I'm talking about false prophets right now is because I believe that we are going to see more false prophets arising very soon. God has given us mercy and grace in this time where he is revealing the things that we are sitting here about, right? The feast days. He's revealing his spirit. He's pouring it out. He's doing all these amazing things. And we've been in this place where we haven't had a lot, let's be honest, we haven't had a ton of false prophets yet. We have had some. We've had some anti-missionaries. We've had some things. But it's going to get a lot worse for this because God is now, he's revealed it, he's given us time to, to study ourselves approved, and now he's going to see, he's going to test us. He's going to see, if there's a false prophet among you, who, what, what's going to happen? Because see, you know, the, 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 the theme of this week, was you, of this Sukkot here, we had is unity, right? Unity, it's, it's about being together. What does a false prophet try and do? Disunity. That's what the enemy tries to do always, is, is come against disunity. I want to submit to you that like, what you guys had, this vision of unity, was spot on. Because God knows what the enemy is going to try and do next. Disunity. And so I want to tell you that the Father is calling us now, at this feast, to ch- make sure we're in unity. Randall said it beautifully about how we get, have these spurts of criticism can have that right or we 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 throw someone out or we say we're not of you or because you believe in something a little bit differently not a deal breaker something little and now we're just like i can't fellowship with you no look if you're going to be in that place you're going to die alone you need your brothers and sisters you need the unity because there's going to come false prophets and they're going to try and they're going to try and rip you away and if you're out there alone you don't stand a chance because you're going to need brothers and sisters because we need to stand together because we need to sharpen each other, right? The disciples needed each other and they, what makes you think you can do it alone? I can't. There's no way. We need each other. We need people to speak into our lives.